Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another long-awaited episode of Russell Podcast. Today we are joined with Mr. McDonald, our Head of Modern Foreign Languages here in Russell. Would you like to introduce yourself briefly? Hello, yes, I'm uh, Lindsay McDonald. I'm Head of Modern Languages here at Russell. And it's been really interesting sort of getting to know quite a lot of pupils here and all the different nationalities, of which there are many. Um, and yes, thank you for asking me to to take part in this. Thank you so much. Why don't we start, uh, why don't you start by kind of giving us a little bit more about your personal background because I understand you've uh, kind of come back to a local area where you once grew up as a child as well. So yeah, originally I'm from Lytham. Um, Lytham used to have a maternity hospital and I was born there. The maternity hospital then moved to Blackpool Vic. Um, I actually went to school locally. So uh, after your, your kind of uh, education in school, in, in this local area, you went to study in uh, Oxford. So how how was kind of this whole experience of going to this, uh, one of the two most prestigious universities in the world, or certainly in the country? Um, um, a bit strange, really. I, I was probably about doing my GCSEs at the time when I went for an open day there, and I kind of fell in love with the place. And my French teacher at the time said, you know, you should really be thinking about applying here because you're, you know, really really good at languages and so on and so forth so um, that's when I decided yeah I really want to do this I really just that was it then I kind of that, that sort of absolutely 100% going for that and nothing was going to get in the way of it and I honestly mean I don't think you have to be yeah I don't a lot of people seem to think that you go to Watson Cambridge you're like insanely intelligent but I genuinely don't think I am but I worked very 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 hard and I was actually quite good at languages so put those two things together what i've not been amazing at in my time is like literature the whole it's a big literary degree so what a levels did you do then that got you into the kind of modern foreign languages i did french german and english literature so it was all it was all literature that i did but it was hard work because i'm kind of more interested in the doing of language the speaking the learning learning all the exceptions the grammar the rules and stuff and then if you're doing it as a degree you have to I think a lot of people listening now are, are, are kind of thinking you enjoy the exceptions you enjoy the grammar yeah uh, <laughs> i enjoy that more than the literature but then as i've grown older i actually do really like all the literature and all that kind of stuff now i do you know read more than i did when i was say you know in my teens yeah so that was quite hard work actually so of. you spoke german and french then fluently by the time we went to university or uh... um well i did french and german for a level so yeah my, they were both pretty good spanish i didn't start le- learning until i was in my first towards the end of my first year at university and i had a friend whose parents had a villa in spain and he said Do you want to go to spain so i thought i might as well learn some spanish and then i just kind of started learning spanish and i've done it ever since um, and like now i'm actually teaching it so it's kind of to different levels, so like yeah. obviously I don't speak them all to the same. French is like my sort of top level, and then German. And yeah, I was about to ask. So, how many languages would you say you can speak all together? Um, I can speak a bit of Italian as well, but that usually is when I've had a glass of Valpolicella um, <laughs> and some pizza in a restaurant, and I get quite fluent. Um, but properly, properly, I can speak French, German, and and, and Spanish, and Italian. English, I can get my, and English, obviously. Yeah. Wow. So bringing you up to a considerable kind of four or five languages really um well it's just really happy strange because i'm going to greece in a few weeks it's the first time i'll ever i've ever been to greece right I've never been before and i think that's because i like to go to countries whose language i speak because that way i can really kind of opens up the culture to you doesn't it people always yeah. 
and I think you get a different you, you get treated differently by exactly. people locals if you actually speak to them in their own language they you know they're, they're more willing to like in Spain for example if you go to a restaurant I'm more likely to get the freshest seafood than if I was just there not speaking Spanish and not asking for the seafood in the way that the Spaniards would ask for it even if you just so. try your best with like you know a hello in the language or a Absolutely, you know, how yeah. are you in that language and then transition to English or whatever common language you share it just shows whoever you talk to that you've got that you're really trying to uh, communicate in their language definitely. and have an appreciation for their culture and it's just a form of respect really isn't yeah, it absolutely definitely so speaking of travelling to Greece um, and, and travelling to countries that you speak the language of or were learning the language of at the time uh, where have you kind of gotten around to in terms of European countries that which who, of whom's languages you speak or um, Europe, are we learning? Yeah, European. The furthest I've been is, is New York, which obviously doesn't count because they speak English. <laughs> um, but like Europe, I've been as far as I really like going to the Canary Islands because um, that's wonderful in February when <laughs> you get some nice sunshine and it's freezing <laughs> cold over here. But I get to speak my Spanish over there because of course it's Spanish territory. Um, Germany, I've been to many places in Germany. I've been to many places in France. I've sort of done most of Italy. Uh, Spain, I've been to the north and south. Never been to Portugal. Um, I've been to Tunisia. Um, and I think that's about it. And then Greece, when I go, will be sort of the furthest east, I suppose, <laughs> I've been. Wow, um, so you've you've gotten around all the kind of bits of languages that you've learned. And then would you say that that is in part also to aid your learning of the language and to understand the culture oh, yeah. more, which of course goes hand in hand? I mean, it's just nice to... Because when you learn a language or... I mean, I've been to Scandinavia as well, sorry, I went to um, Sweden, but then I don't speak Swedish. So I always kind of think when I'm going to go on this Greece holiday, that I'm going to be like the majority of English people when they go on mm. holiday, because they don't speak... <laughs> well, I mean, you can always yeah. ask them, uh, you know, I don't speak Greek very well, but if you happen to speak Italian, German, Spanish well, or English... True. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, because there's, there's always... There, there are often people who can speak not English, but they and have communicated yeah. with them in a different language that way as well, well. so yeah. that's, that's fine. Uh, as a teacher of modern foreign languages, what would you say is the point of even studying a modern foreign languages in the modern day where we've got tools like Google Translate and artificial intelligence being on an ever-progressing uh, branch? Do you think modern foreign languages is uh, something that will ultimately uh, not be as important to learn anymore, or will there always be a place for modern foreign languages in the modern world? Um, well, I mean, there has to be. I mean, just going back to what we were saying, right on a very, very minimalistic level, to go into a country where you make an effort to speak their language, you get treated differently. I mean, you do. I mean, it's not massively, but like the more you get to know, the more effort you make, the more effort comes back. So, and understanding a culture and all that, everything that you do when you're learning a foreign language learning about the, the, the different cities, the different places, different traditions and all that just kind of really helps you to understand other people, other, you know, other cultures and, and all of that, um, which just wouldn't happen if, if, if people were just banging things into Google Translate and showing people translations or putting on a thing and getting something to read it out. Mm. It strips any humanity from anything. There's just nothing there at all that... The whole point is communicating with people. Um, 
I mean, it would be the same in English. Imagine if we just never actually spoke and, 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 and talked face to face, if everything. I mean, it was pretty awful during COVID when we were, everything was on Zoom and yeah, all that kind absolutely. of stuff. And this really cold sort of distance. I mean, like, that was like literal distance. And that, in a way, if you people aren't willing to communicate in different languages and get to know people through their languages, that would be a very, very sad thing indeed. Um, and I genuinely feel that the more languages I have known, the more I have understood other people. Um, just speaking to some of the pupils here at the school as well, they say because they understand that cultures are so different um, from different parts of the world, they will sometimes introduce them and go, oh, in our country or in our language, we would say this mm. and we would mean this by it because they know that when it's said in English and then interpreted by a different language, that could come across as really offensive or be taken the wrong way. Yeah, absolutely. And that sort of thing, when you use Google Translate, it doesn't do any of that. It just says it as it is. So having just just over 60 uh, nationalities here in school then must be the absolute uh, dream for exploring all those kind of uh, local differences with dialects and, and languages. Yeah, and even and within so languages, so you've got some Mexicans here, some Spanish people here. I mean, obviously they speak the same language, but it's culturally like we, we are with the USA. I mean, there's so many differences. Even in with vocabulary, yeah. there are certain items of vocab which are completely, mean totally different things, yeah. which can cause confusion. Or different spellings, now. like yeah. the Australians and the Americans and the English with their spelling of colour or tyre or whatever it may be, uh, differing quite tremendously. But the other thing with things like Google Translate as well is that they really are not as reliable um, as people think. I mean, even in lessons where I'm, you know, I'll be, you know, going around and a pupil will just bong in a letter <laughs> wanting to say I felt sick, so they type in felt, and then the word for felt, like you put on a snooker table, that kind of felt comes up. Right. So they shove that word in, thinking, oh, well, Google Translate must be right, but it doesn't realise you mean I felt. So like it's I the contextual feeling. thing. Yeah, that and it doesn't artificial do intelligence doesn't. Sometimes it does, and so it can be quite amazing sometimes to see. I mean, I've been very impressed sometimes by the subtlety and the sophistication that some translation devices do, but they are not. They 100% really are not all the nowhere time. Nowhere near, nowhere yeah. near. With understanding, they certainly wouldn't get sarcasm or irony mm, or yeah. tongue-in-cheek humour or you know saying something as colloquial a joke. phrases. Absolutely. So, so say phrases. you're translating, um, you know, a very local, almost dialect, but certainly using like local terms and, and figures of speech and so on. If you translate them li literally, obviously, in, you yeah. know. In another language, it's absolute nonsense. I mean, it's like there's a local phrase, and if you know, a local phrase which is, um, "I'd go to the top of our stairs," which just means I would walk upstairs. And if you put that in, it would just simply, simply translate that to "I would walk yeah. upstairs," and nobody would understand what that meant. Yeah, no, because it just doesn't have the capacity to understand and dialectal yeah. differences and and so. But it can also be dangerous as well. I mean, there there has been stuff in the news recently that there was a doctor who was trying to communicate with people through Google Translate because they didn't speak English and what he what they tried to sort of look at was misinterpreted and it led to catastrophic outcomes so right. you know medically and everything it, it, it's not a reliable it is just not reliable and yes it's useful as a quick fix but not you know not to be taken totally it cannot replace human beings and learning properly so obviously then your your your, your strong belief and I wouldn't have thought anything else in regards to that but if you consider the amount of English speakers in the world or really more generally certain languages that have grown or shrunk in popularity over the years um, clearly English and Spanish and French 
through whatever historical reasons uh, have established themselves as prominent languages. Mm-hmm. Do you think that at some point in the future, with increased increased globalization, increased trade, and so on and so forth, uh, the world will move to a state where pretty much everybody will be able to communicate and say English, and more and more local dialects and languages will continue to die? It, it will continue to grow, I'm sure, but there will always continue to be countries that, and quite rightly too, like France, who they have, as a, a, a colleague mentioned, to refer to this as a like the French linguistic language police, it's the Académie Française, who you know prevent, try and prevent so Anglo-Saxon influences coming into the French language <laughs> and stuff, uh, and insist on because we've seen how languages you mentioned languages have shrunk and stuff, and there are some languages that have just sort of died out completely because they yeah. weren't kept on going, and and that's really sad. So. I don't think so. I think the world is big enough and populated with enough cultural difference for people to keep and want to keep their own national identities. Yeah. I think, being totally blunt here, I think, and it's not just British but American, quite a lot of people who speak English as their first language are somewhat complacent about that, what you've just said. Yeah. This idea, well, everyone speaks English anyway, so what's the point? What's but, the point? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, I, I just always think that's ever so kind of slightly sad because I think you're missing out really on really I mean I know it's a cliche but some of these sort of very famous quotations like Charlemagne saying to possess another language is to possess another soul and I, I do actually buy into that you know I think when I when I physically speak French German and Spanish I speak with different parts of my vocal cords right. so I physically change when I'm talking a different yeah. language I can't speak German with a French accent because <laughs> I automatically start speaking yeah. German and stuff so um, and there are also things that my personality because I know how, I will say things that I know sometimes how to say rather than what I really <laughs> so I've got slightly <laughs> different personalities in each of my languages as well if that makes sense I, 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 so I do feel like different slightly I'm still me but I, I yeah. feel like I'm different when I'm Fre- when I'm being in French mode than I am like now speaking here no I can relate to that because obviously um, I mean I can hardly claim uh, speaking three languages given my level of French is about as rudimentary as it gets but I can quite confidently say that I can speak two languages to a very fluent level um, and I, I do think the same way that when I speak German um, it, it's it's just different, I wouldn't say I'm a different person but mm-hmm. certain aspects do change just because of the environments in which I speak Culturally, the different languages in. And the vocab that you've learned, the vocab that I've learned in French, there are things I sometimes know how to say in French that I don't know how to say in English just because I learned them when I was in France in a French context. And that will be similar for you as well. And that, you know, there's sometimes words I remember, for example, I can't remember what it's called now, um, when you've just had something done on your house and the, the waiting for faults to come through and find out there's a word for it called cragging or something like that. And I still don't know it, but there was a French woman who knew it because she just had her house done. Right. And so she knew English words that I'd never even heard of. <laughs> it all depends on the context of what you're learning. Yeah. In. And so that kind of affects everything that you, who you are as that person when you're in that language. Very, very much so. I remember having an experience like that when I was, um, before I even joined Russell and I was uh, in the process of learning English, obviously. Um, and we were doing a, me and my family, we were doing a guided tour on holiday and the the tour guide was pointing out this statue of some sort of significance and it was stood on like a raised platform and and they were saying to the tour and and us and you know and on the platform you know it says this and this and this in in english i was like he was obviously looking for a different word for the right word of what you call so i was like pedestal 
those pedestal uh, legs. And, and, and then they were like, oh, yes, thank you. And, and I was like, oh, well, I'm so proud of myself that I knew that yeah. then. It was like a little moment of delight. You, you are somewhat known for uh, two things around sight, one of which is your uh, love of uh, kind of play on words or like those kinds of word jokes. And the other one, like I um, see in front of you right now, is you're rather known for your uh, extravagant ties. Yeah. So is it true that you've got your own collection of several hundred of them? I, I did at one point have about 750 ties, um, which I've stuck down now, and I think I've got one for every day of the year, so just 360-odd. <laughs> and it came about because when I first started teaching, I was only 22, but I looked like I was about 12. I, was, I looked really, really young when I first started teaching. Um, and I used to get mistaken for a sixth form and get shouted at, like, what are you doing in here? And all this kind of stuff. So I started buying really bright ties so that it was obvious that I was not sixth former. <laughs> and, so, and then they started getting quite leery and really, really loud. And then <laughs> the pupils at the school I was at started going into, like, really, uh, into sort of, like, charity shops on a Saturday afternoon and trying to find the really ugliest tie <laughs> that they could find and then bring it in on the Monday and dare me to wear it. But of course it wasn't a dare because I was I was allowed to. So I was like, yeah, 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 I'll wear that. So sometimes I'll wear that. So I ended up with this enormous collection of ties, um, none of which really were truly wearable. <laughs> um, that would be one for a dare or what have you. Well, so, they, they ended up in the charity shop for a reason, surely, at one point. You know, my, so. nephews, my nephews took most of them. Um, I don't know what they did with them. Not where I'm sure. <laughs> so thank you so much, and we thank you very much for having me on Russell Podcast. Thank you for asking me. Thank you very much.